Grace, peace, and mercy from God our Father and His precious Son, Jesus Christ. The Lord surely is good, saints. I'm so grateful that we are able to to gather together and and just rejoice in the Lord. Uh, Open up your Bibles to James chapter 2. That is James chapter 2, and we will begin at verse 1. But before we begin, I want to ask a few questions. When is it okay to treat someone different than others? And what reason would we have to do so? I found one of the reasons is because of offense. Another would be because of how they may look or even what they are wearing. Are we justified for doing so? God forbid. Usually, if we cannot get revenge by doing something, we attempt it by saying something. This evening, we want to talk about treating everyone fairly. Treating everyone fairly. So when we look at James chapter 2, starting at verse 1, it says, My brethren, Have not the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory, with respect of persons. Two things here. Having faith in Christ and respect of a person. Verse 2 says, For if there come unto you assembly a man with a gold ring and goodly apparel, and there come in also a poor man and vile raiment, and you have respect to him that weareth the gay clothing, And say unto him, Sit thou here in a good place, and say to the poor, Stand thou there, or sit under here under my footstool. Are ye not then partial in yourselves, and are become judge of evil thoughts? Let me say it like this. If a person came to church dressed up, you should not feel intimidated or treat them differently than anyone else. If a person came who was not dressed as well as you, you should not feel you are better or treat them as if they are less. Now, I don't believe more Jesus would do this. But I would like to say this. Sometimes we treat others differently for some reason and we are not aware of it maybe. It may be because of something they have done and they are not aware of that either. Sometimes we retaliate or do something thinking we are justified when we are not. As I asked earlier, is it okay to treat someone different than others? Never. Is there a reason we could do so? None. One of the biggest reasons for treating someone different is, again, because of offense. Remember, we are talking about those who have the faith in and of Christ Jesus. We know what the world would do. First, they write you off. Then comes revenge. But let's be honest this evening. When we are offended, we treat people differently. Sometimes unaware But most of the time, we know it. They get the cold shoulder from us. 
the silent treatment, that certain look of disgust. We begin to avoid them. But love covers a multitude of sin. The love that we have in Christ is sufficient to cover all. Whatever anyone has said or done to us, love can cover it. But as we said Sunday, you must let God be true in you. This offense, this treating people differently, having respect of person, does, doesn't just happen in church among members. It happens with siblings. It happens with children and parents. Children, you have Jesus, but you fall out with your parents. You go to your room and shut the door. It happens among friends, best friends. You know Jesus, but you get offended and decide not to talk to anyone anymore. Even husbands and wives do it. One needs something from the other, but they are so mad at each other, neither one can humble themselves and ask. But you have Jesus in you. Well, where is he? In some cases, this offense and attitude becomes so heated, it ends up in separation or divorce court. Some couples are divorced even though they are still married in the house. Now, let's use Jesus as an example for a minute. We know Judas betrayed Jesus. And we know Peter denied him. Yet Jesus still gave them both power to cast out devils. Let's look at Matthew 10, verses 4 through 8. It's Matthew 10, starting in verse 4. If you read above it, it will name the other apostles. But I want to start where it mentions Judas. Verse 4 says, Simon the Canaanite and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. Judas was one of the twelve given power. Verse 5 says, These twelve Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go not into the way of the Gentiles, and into any city of the Samaritans enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And as you go, preach, saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Just a side note here. There are places Jesus has told us not to go. Jesus won't send you in a bar to save people, nor some other places we will not mention. He just delivered you from it, and you think you can save them. You just made it out yourself. Salvation is the last thing they want to hear. If God don't prick their heart to come out, you won't prick their heart going in. But let's go on. Verse 8, it says, Heal the sick, cleanse the leopards, raise the dead, cast out devils. Freely you have received, freely give. Even though Judas betrayed Christ, Jesus did not hold it against him or hold the power from him. 
Amen. Amen. Even though Peter denied him, he was still given the keys to the kingdom. So God knows those that are his. God knows who you are. And he knows what you can and cannot bear. We have more power than we know. But our faith must be activated and we must trust him. Even though someone does not treat you the way you think you should be treated. The question is, how do you respond to them? Now, let's go back to James 2, verse 5. Hearken, my beloved brethren. Have not God chosen the poor of this world, rich in faith, and heirs of the kingdom which he had promised to them that love him? But you have despised the poor. Do not rich men oppress you and draw you before the judgment seats? Here's a lesson. No matter who it is, rather in church or your home, no matter what nationality or the wealth they do or do not have, treat everyone with respect and with the love that God has given you. Love does not judge or condemn. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is humble. Love is not easily offended. So verse 7 says, Do not they blaspheme that worthy name by which you are called. The world does not know what love is or care who you are. But you do know that greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. If ye fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself, you do well. The royal law is love. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength, and then love thy neighbor as thyself. The question is, before you love your neighbor, how do you love yourself? How do you treat yourself? How do you respect yourself? Do you feed yourself? John said, if you see your brother in need and shut up your bowels of compassion, how does the love of God dwell in you? Verse nine. But if you have respect to persons, you commit sin and are convinced of the law of as transgressors for whosoever shall keep the whole law and yet offend in one point, he is guilty of all. Let me just keep it with love and respect. You cannot love those that love you and hate those that hate you. If you do, you are doing no more than what the world does. Now look at Matthew five forty three. This is what it says. You have heard, that it has been said. Notice Jesus said, you have heard it to be said. What? Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. This is the world and the religious that say this. But verse 44 said, but I say unto you, Jesus talking, love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. 
If the faith you have is in Christ Jesus, hate should not be in your vocabulary. It is mandated by God, approved by Christ Jesus, and done that we should love everyone, regardless of what they have done or have not done, whoever they are. Now, let's look at verse 11, going back to James. For he that said, do not commit adultery, said also, do not kill. Now, if thou commit no adultery, yet if thou kill, thou art become a transgressor of the law. So speak ye, and so do, as they that shall be judged by the law of liberty. The world is not in tune with the law of liberty. They still believe an eye for an eye as long as it's not their own. For he shall have judgment without mercy that has shown no mercy and mercy rejoices against judgment. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he has faith and have not works, can faith save him? What good is it to believe something if there is nothing to go along with it? No work, no effort. If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warm and filled, notwithstanding ye give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? What doth it profit? What good will this do me if you don't give what you believe? Look, we know how cold it is outside right now. If you walk up to someone and say, bless you, be filled and warm. How is that going to help that person now? What kind of faith is that for them? If you don't give them a, a blanket or food behind your words of faith, when you leave, they will still be as cold and hungry as they were before you came. Even so, faith, if it have not works, is dead, being alone. We are touching on two things here. Your faith and your treatment to others with your faith. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works and I will show thee my faith by my works. In the world, they say, talk is cheap. You cannot show your faith without something behind it. Verse 19 says, Thou believest that there is one God. Thou doest well. The devils also believe and tremble. Look at this. The devil does not just believe. He trembles. Do we fear God as much as Satan? Do we respect God as much as Satan? Do we believe God will do as he says he will do? Let's close with these next few verses. Verse 20. But what wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? We must put action with what we say. We must believe as we speak. We will be tried. 
Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith brought with his works and by works was faith made perfect. You see, the action behind your faith is how perfection comes. And the scriptures was fulfilled with saying, Abraham believed God and it was imputed unto him for righteousness and it was called the friend and he was called the friend of God. Just as with what was done in Abraham's case, righteousness can be imputed in ours. You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith only. This even applies naturally. I believe I will I believe I will lose weight if I sit on the couch day in and day out. Regardless of how much I believe, if I don't go do anything, I will not lose weight. Likewise also was not Rahab the harlot justified by works when she had received the messengers and had sent them out another way. For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Remember what it says in James 1, 3, and 4. Knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience, but let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. There is a work, and you got to let it have and allow it to have its work in itself. I'm going to leave you with that and to think on. So with that, my time is up, and I thank you for yours.